other. Everything that's been created, all things seen and unseen, this is your world. And Christ Jesus, you are ruling and reigning now and you will come back to rule and reign. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. O God, as we open Your Word, may Your Spirit move and work in us. Father, may hearts be drawn to You. May we look forward with eager, eager eyes and May more at the end of today, we would be able to say, Lord Jesus, come. This is your world. Father, help us to continue to live in this world with an eye towards eternity. The forever world that we will live in with you in glory if we've put our faith and trust in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church, guests. As most of everyone knows, except maybe our guests, tomorrow, Emily and Jonathan, Tony and I, we leave for Kenya. Uh, we will be gone till the 23rd, Wednesday. We'll be back in this city, Lord willing. And uh, as we are gone and as we go, I, I would ask that you would pray for us and Pray for us in any way, and I would pray pray for Tony and I in particular for humility, and pray for Jonathan and Emily in particular for courage, that, um, that we would all be led by the Spirit of God and not by our flesh, and we'd be faithful as we go. Uh, as we go, I have three reminders and instructions and this is just what came to my mind that I want to leave with you all as we go until I return Lord willing it's not everything there is to know and it's just what came to my mind to leave you all with and the first is Philippians 2 chapter 12 or chapter 2 verse 12 beginning there therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. God is working in you and through you. and Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't complain and grumble. The second instruction or reminder that I would give you is from Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So, look, I'm not gone that long, but while I'm gone... Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing each other honor. And the last thing I would have you to remember and be reminded of and I would exhort you with is Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, 
and our bodies washed with pure water, while I'm gone, draw near in full assurance of faith, with your heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and your bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Remember that God is faithful, and and that that you can you have a confession of hope in Christ that you can cling to. Do that together. And then, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, that you would spur one another on to love and good works. That you encourage each other. That you remember that the day of the Lord is approaching. And that you interact with each other in that manner. I will miss you. I will long to be back with you. As I'm sure is true for the other three that are traveling with me. Okay, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We'll be in verses 26 through 36 today. We... We know that Jesus has recently told the twelve apostles to tell no one that he is the Christ of God, the Messiah. This was a truth that was revealed to Peter and the rest of them via uh, the Holy Spirit. God made him them know that he is the Christ of God, and and Jesus had told them, "Don't don't tell anyone," because it it wasn't time for him to to die. It wasn't time for the crowds to come at him. That that there was some more to be done. Verse 18, Now it happened that he was praying alone. The disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah. And others that one of the prophets of old has arisen. And then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised, he told him a Passion Week. And so we're not, you're not to tell anyone because, because these things have to come to pass. I've got to go to Jerusalem. I've got to be in front of the Sanhedrin. I've got to die and suffer many things and die and then be raised on the third day. So, so he was going to Jerusalem. He was going to die. And, and then he goes into, uh, uh, in the same way, followers of his must die to themselves. Verse 23 said to them all, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If anyone would be a follower of mine, he says, take up your cross, die to yourself. Deny yourself. Don't pay attention to yourself. Don't worry about yourself. Don't Follow your own ways. Die and and pick up your cross daily. Daily do this. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses life will save it. Anyone after me would 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 die to themselves, deny them, take the things of this world. to the things of this world. Lose your life for your sake, his sake, you will Check, check. Then he says, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So in forsaking the things of the world, what would it profit you to gain everything that you could could obtain on this earth? What if you could be like Solomon and have it all? What good would that be if you lose your soul? 
So he's given this this instruction to them on, on, on what it means to be a follower of his. Uh, he's going to go and die, and he's going to he suffer many things. And then he says, if you want to follow me, you too must die to yourself. Not physically die, but you must die to yourself. You must forsake the things of this world. And, and then he said in verse 26, please stand. I'm going to read verse 26 as part of today's passage. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you, truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. You may be seated. Father God, as we consider your word today, I pray that I pray that your, your people, your elect would be encouraged and hopeful, looking forward to the day when we we see Jesus Christ in all of his glory. Father, I pray that we would be we would be able to say and to truly mean, come, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that those who, when they see the glory of Christ, will will hear his, will hear words of, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness who depart from me to everlasting torment. Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they would not meet that end. For all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus gives clear commands. If you would follow me, here's how you would live. These would be the the manifestations of the works of one who is truly following Jesus to deny themselves and die to themselves daily and to forsake the things of this world and to not be ashamed to obey Christ and to speak of him. And that's what it says in verse 26, whoever is ashamed of me and my words and of, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed. Why we're going back and grabbing verse 26 is because it's, it's contextually what we need to, to set up these next verses. He said, when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels, the Son of Man will come again and he will come in his glory. He will come in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And and when he returns, his second coming, we know from Matthew's gospel right here in this point, he's going to repay each person for what he has done. So the Son of Man will return in glory, in the glory of the Father, to repay each person according to what he has done, which is what he's speaking of here, of being ashamed of him. If you're ashamed of him now, he'll be ashamed of you then. So there is a time when Christ will return, and he will return in his glory. And then, he, and then he goes and says this right now. He says, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. 
Jesus says the Son of Man will one day return to judge, and some of those standing here will not die until they see the kingdom of God. So that means they won't die until Christ returns to judge? Well, they've died. So clearly that's not what he's saying. What he's, what he's saying is the kingdom of God is going to be seen by some of you 12 standing here. Some of you will see the kingdom of God. What you're going to see is a preview of the glory of Christ when he returns to judge and to rule and reign. You're going to see a picture of that before you die. The kingdom of God is going to be seen by some. So to understand what he's saying, we have to understand what is the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Remember, remember, we've looked at this before, but the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are synonymous terms. Some argue that they aren't, but Jesus, we're going to look here, makes it clear. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Now, Matthew is the only one that writes the kingdom of heaven, but he writes both in Matthew 19. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, only with the difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous terms. So the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven are are the same. And and that word kingdom, basilii, it's it's important that we, we understand this. That word kingdom, it's basilii. It means royal power, kingship, or dominion. It does not mean an actual kingdom. It does not mean an actual kingdom. It means the right or authority to rule over a kingdom. You've got to get that because the word basilii does not mean, so the kingdom of God is the right, or the right to rule or reign over. That's why, so the kingdom of God is, is, is the one who has authority to rule or reign And, and and that's where we see in Matthew 3, when John the Baptist comes preaching, what does he preach in the wilderness? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Is eternity at hand? Is, is heavens at hand? No, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Is at hand. For this is what he's spoken by the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So John the Baptist was a herald. He was, he was announcing the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4.17, from that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven, what was at hand? Was there a kingdom? No, what was at hand? The one who had the right to rule and to reign, Jesus Christ himself. He was at hand. He was here. Here is the kingdom of heaven. He's right here. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. So when they when he says to them here on Mount the Mount, when he he says to, or he says before they go to the Mount, I'm sorry, he says to them, "Some of you will not taste death until you see the kingdom of God." What had they seen up to this point? Jesus. Had they not seen the kingdom of God? They had. Had they not seen him working miraculously? They had. Had they not heard him teaching perfectly? They had. But all of of these things that they had seen, they had seen in a man. A, a, A human being that looked like them. A human being who had nothing special about his looks. He was a man. So they had seen the kingdom of heaven was at hand. It was the person of Jesus Christ. But all they had seen was his humanity in his appearance. That's what they had seen. Now, again, this this. Matthew 16, in Matthew's gospel, we see this, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will pay each person according to what he has done. 
Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the King, the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. See the, kind of, the Son of Man coming in his authority, in his power, in his fullness. Jesus Christ will not reign in all eternity in the way they saw him in the flesh. Now, do not be confused. Jesus has a body. God the Son has a physical body that we will see, but it won't look like anything that was seen on this earth. But the one who will come, who has the authority to rule and to reign and is going to come and judge... He's going to come and judge the works that people have done. The manifestation, like he just had talked about, dying to themselves, denying themselves, picking up their cross daily, forsaking the things of the world. This is what it looks like for a follower of Jesus. When he comes back to judge, when he comes in his glory, the, his glory and the glory of the fathers and the, his father and the angels, he's going to come as the one who's going to rule and reign in this capacity forever. And some of you are going to see that before you die, he told them. Not him coming to rule and reign, but his, the fullness of his deity. Some of you standing here, some of you 12, will see the Son of Man coming to this earth, revealing his authority, his right to reign, his deity. In Mark's gospel, the parallel account, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. They're going to see the power of Christ the kingdom, the power of God the Son, the dunimas, the dunimas that truly resides in this one who has authority to rule and reign. They had seen the power outflow from him. They had watched him do miracles. They had not seen him in his glory. They had not seen him in his glorious state. So he says this to them. Some of you standing here will not see, will not taste death until you have seen the Son of Man coming in his glory to see the kingdom of God. Then immediately following this statement, it says now about eight days after these sayings, these sayings of what the works of a true follower of Christ look like and the judgment that, 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 will be, that will be received if you're ashamed of him and that some of you will see, will not taste death, you will see this. And then he says, now about eight days after these saying, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Peter and James and John are chosen. Once again, they're selected to go with Jesus, just like we saw when Jairus' daughter was being healed. Luke 8, and when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James. Same three that he will specifically call out in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, then Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over and pray, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. These are the three closest disciples. And, and we see that Peter and John... We, we, we see in their writings, we'll look at in a little bit, the, 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 the testimony of their intimate relationship or their intimate involvement with him. But what we're seeing here is that some of the 11, or 12 who were standing there eight days earlier are going to now get a glimpse of the glory of Jesus. And what will be at his second coming, his fullness, his glory. That's what they're about to get a glimpse of. Some of the three, three of those standing there will witness, they will witness 
to what we know as the transfiguration. As we talk about the transfiguration, as I was preparing this week, to actually really think about what we're going to read or hear. This is what actually happened as these three went up with Jesus to the mountain as he prayed, as he went to pray. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. And his clothing became dazzling white. The appearance of his face was altered. Luke says his face was altered. Heteros. It means different in class, kind or class, from all other entities. So Jesus' face was changed into a different kind or class. It did not look the same as it had. So Jesus in his humanity, walked this earth looking like a Jew of that time period. Looking similar to some of us in here. Looking like a man. Nothing was special about his appearance, correct? We know that. He was nothing special about his appearance. He was just another average Joe in the way he looked. But on the mount, on this mount, his face was altered. It became completely different. And when we see him, that's what we're going to see. We won't be seeing someone that looks like a Jew from that time in Israel. Now, he will have the appearance just like we won't look how we look. His face became of a different in kind or class. Completely different. Now, in Matthew and Mark's gospel, they use a different word, where you get the word that's even in your margin of Luke's gospel. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. Mark's gospel, after six days, Jesus, by the way, six days, eight days, not a contradiction. The day it was proclaimed... And the day it happened are excluded from the six days the other two talk about. It's how some kept time. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, led up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before him, before them. So the Greek word used by Matthew and Mark is metamorphoaomai. Metamorphoaomai. It means to change appearance. To be transfigured. It's where we get the word metamorphosis from. Our language, metamorphosis, is from metamorphomai. And what it means is a change of physical form, structure, or substance. A striking alternative in appearance. We most often use the term metamorphosis when we're talking about what? Butterflies that come from caterpillars. Or we talk about frogs that come from tadpoles. Does a tadpole look like a frog? Hardly at all. Does a butterfly look like a caterpillar? Not any. Well, this is what happened to Jesus on the mountain. Something was dramatically different about his appearance. His face was changed. The face that they had been around now for a couple of years, the face that had been on the planet growing from infancy all the way up to, well, zygote, all the way up to this 30-something-year-old man, that face did not look the way it looked before they went up on that mountain. It was different. It was as different as a butterfly and a caterpillar. And this is the problem with trying to figure out what we'll see when we see him or what Jesus looked like. Just know this. He was fully man. Yes, truly man. Yes, and truly God. And in his 
deity in his ascension, in his life, when they saw him on the mount getting a preview of his second coming, they saw something completely different. It shone. His face was different. What the three saw that day was different than what they saw before and after that. They saw his glory. Philippians 2, 4. Look each of you, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So, he was in the form of God. Well, God is a spirit. God is, we'll look at some of these things later, but God is is not like us. Well, he was in the form of God. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. That day on the mount, he was not in human form. When we see him in glory, he will not be in human form. He will be in his glory, like they saw him that day. This man of sorrows, the one acquainted with grief, the, 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 the battle scars of an itinerant preacher. The, 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 the peasant from Galilee, the, the son of a carpenter. The, 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 the man that had nothing special about his appearance will not look that way. There will be something very special about his appearance. He, he was changed that day for a moment, giving a glimpse of the second coming, of his second coming, to the glory of the essence of his being, which is not just human. The glory of the essence of his being is something far different, as different as a tadpole and a frog. So, this human form was changed that day. From into the to the glorious one who rules and reigns over all. Not an earthly king, far greater. His face was changed from the inside out. His deity was on display. His glory. The glory he will have when he comes. The glory of his and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. When he comes the second time, this is how he will appear. Verse 29. As he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. And his clothing became dazzling white. The word for white there, lukas, radiant, bright, gleaming, pertain to being bright or shining, either of a source of an object which is illuminated by a source, or of an object which is illuminated by a source. White. Ecostropto, to glisten, to dazzle, to gleam, to flash, to give off or reflect a very bright light. His essence was so altered that coming out of him it caused his clothes to be dazzling white the clothing he was wearing changed right before their eyes to something dazzling white a bright light emanating from his being he did not walk around on earth like that they had never seen this before. They wouldn't see it again until glory. It won't be seen again until the second coming. That's why, you know, uh, you should walk in a room, Christian, and, and you should have this essence about you that just saves people. 
There's nothing different. We aren't in glory, are we? We will be different in glory. He is different in glory and far different than we. But as a person, as a man, he was no different, was he, in his appearance. Don't don't shove Jesus Christ into this box of we're going to see some dude that looks a lot like me when we go to heaven. That is far too small of a vision. And that's what Peter and John are going to tell us. It's far too small of a vision. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, to see him in his glory. Second Corinthians 3. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would, not, who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day when we read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comfort of the Lord is of the Spirit. We have a small picture of the glory of Christ. Not of His appearance, of His glory. And that's being increased in us as we're sanctified. We are being transformed from glory to glory. What we see now is, is, is a very limited picture. Just like it was for Peter, James, and John until that day on the mount. They saw the glory of Jesus Christ. They saw the basilia, the ruler, the authority of God in all of its splendor. He didn't look like a man. His face was changed. He was so changed that his his clothing became bright and dazzling. First John three two, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. You won't look like this. I don't know what it will be. But it won't be this. It won't be hunchbacked and crooked and psoriasis and balding or whatever. Maybe it will be balding for everybody. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, when Christ comes, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We will see Christ as he is, not as he was, as he is. And this is what they saw that day. We will not just see a mere man. We will see the the glorious face, the, the glistening clothing of King Jesus. We will see him in all his glory. I can't wait. That's such an exciting thought to see Jesus as he is. Yes, with nail marks in his hands, but not as some mere human. He won't look anything like Jason. Neither will Jason look anything like Jason. There was something different that day that encouraged Peter and John and James greatly, did it not? And so we have to look forward to. Behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. We now see two Old Testament witnesses to the glory of the Son of Man that happened that day. Moses and Elijah discussed the Exodus. Why Moses and Elijah? Why Isaiah or Abraham or Joseph or Daniel? Or There's lots of reasons I would say. One, both, both of these men had had encounters with God. 
Both Moses and Elijah had had encounters, encounters with God on Mount Sinai. They had both seen the glory of God partially. Both also had famous departures, didn't they? Moses died and was buried by God and was never found, and Elijah was just went up in a chariot, never died. Both were expected to return. Deuteronomy 18, we'll look at in a little bit. One like Moses was to return, and Elijah, Jews are still waiting for Elijah's return. They're both to return. Probably mostly, it seems to me, that Moses represented what? The law. Elijah represented what? The prophets. So the law and the prophets are represented here on the mount that day. All of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, right there to give testimony to the glory of this man, Jesus Christ, who in this moment looks different. And they're talking to him. And they're talking to him. And what are they talking about? Who appeared, uh, and behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. You know what they talked about? Passion Week. That's what they were talking about. Moses and Elijah standing there talking about Jesus and his departure. His, guess the word, exodus. His exodus. That's the Greek word for departure here, exodus. Exit, departure, the close of one's career, one's final fate, departure from life, decease. These two Old Testament, the law and the prophets, the giver of the law and the, the human giver of the law and the, the greatest prophet standing there talking about God's plan for Jesus' exodus in Jerusalem, for his departure. Elijah, the one who was going to announce him, is talking about that, about this plan that they knew of. And Moses, Moses led an exodus, didn't he? That of an exodus of God's people out of the bondage they were in in Egypt. And now they're talking about Jesus' exodus that would lead his people out of a bondage to sin. And they're talking about that. Oh, 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 I want to be there. Jesus appeared, and he was changed. He didn't look the same. His glory was manifested. And the Old Testament lawgiver and the great prophet, they're testifying to Jesus' deity and to his exodus, and they're sharing in that glory as they stand there and talk that day. Verse 32, now Peter and those who were with him were heavily heavy with sleep. Seems to happen a lot. It's going to happen in the garden, isn't it? These disciples are sleeping. They don't even witness all of this. They don't witness the conversation. They have yet to see Christ in his glory, Jesus in his glory. They were sleeping when Jesus was praying. Kind of like some of us sleep when other people pray. But Luke tells us that they were asleep, but when they awoke, they saw, they saw Jesus' glory. They saw his transformed face and a bright light emanating from his being. They laid eyes on this when they awoke. And the two men who stood with him, they saw Moses and Elijah. And as the men were parting from him, so now Moses and Elijah are parting from Jesus in this conversation. And Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he didn't know what he said. He, he No understanding. This is, this is Peter again, opening his mouth, giving his plan. Here's his plan. And it's not a plan to worship. I meant to put a question mark and a cross through it. It's actually Peter's plan to keep Jesus, Moses, and Elijah there because he thought then the kingdom of God was here. Because what were they looking for? 
They're looking for a temporal king, an earthly king to make Israel a great nation and to take them out of the bondage of the Romans and to, to rise them up to be a great nation again. They were looking for the kingdom of God temporally. This is still the case after Jesus had risen from the dead just before he ascends in Acts 1. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You're the king. You're the rightful ruler and reign. You're the one to reign and rule. Will you do that right now? Peter thought that Jesus was was the Messiah who came to deliver Israel from the control of the Romans to make Israel great again. So, so on Mount Hermon this day, he wanted to make a dwelling place for Moses and Elijah and Jesus. couple of problems. One, that's not what they're here for. What have they just been talking about? Jesus' exodus. What did Jesus just told them about just a little while earlier? He had to go, suffer many things from the Sanhedrin, be killed, and raised again. And Peter's got a different plan. Let's build dwelling places for you and Moses and Elijah. This is great. The kingdom has arrived. Let's usher it in. He didn't know what he said. Again, he's got his own plan that has nothing to do with the plans that Jesus has told him, the plans that that, that Moses and Elijah and Jesus had just been talking about. If he'd have been awake, he would have heard it. Obviously, God didn't want him to be awake. So, so as Peter is being Peter and opening his mouth, his, his plan for no cross, no death, dwelling places now, kingdom now, and as he was saying thing, these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Here's more testimony for these three. These three who were seeing the kingdom of God, the ruler, the reign, the, the supreme authority, Jesus himself, a glimpse of what will be at the second coming. They're seeing a glimpse of that right now. And now they've had the, the law and the prophets represented, and now they have God himself overshadowing him in a cloud throwing a shadow upon, to envelop in a shadow. Peter's talking about a temporal plan, not not having heard what they said, not listening to what Jesus said, and God shows up. A cloud overshadows them. This cloud like we see in the Old Testament, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and night a pillar of fire. Exodus 40, 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because of the cloud settled on it. It was the glory of the Lord filled the temple of Yahweh. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, that they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the of Yahweh was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. This cloud that overshadowed them in in the desert is the same cloud. God shows up. 1 Kings 8.10, and when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord. And the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of Yahweh filled the house of Yahweh. So God's appearing to these three men who have now seen the glory of Jesus Christ. They've, they've seen Moses and Peter, and now God shows up. A cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. This brought great fear upon them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Try to imagine. Jesus praying. They fall asleep. They wake up and they see Jesus with a different face. And his clothes clothes are dazzling white because from him is emanating his glory. And he's got a glorious face and a glorious 
countenance or being. And they see Moses and Elijah standing right there talking to him. And as they leave, they're thinking, this is great. We're ushering in God's kingdom. And then God shows up. And he says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Matthew says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Mark, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Different identifiers of who Jesus is from God's mouth, but what is the common statement in all of that? Listen to him. God shows up and says this, this, this changed, glorious being that you're seeing, this is my son. This is my chosen one. Listen to him. Peter just hadn't listened to him just a little bit earlier about the death and about Passion Week. He already had a different plan. Akuo, to accept. Listen, this listen to is not just hear something. This is to accept, to listen to, to listen and respond, to pay attention and respond, to heed. Remember, heeding counsel is not just hearing it and ignoring it. It's actually doing it. That's the only way you heed counsel. To believe something and to respond to it on the basis of having heard. Not just hear it, but pay attention. He says, listen to him. Don't just hear his words. Believe them and act upon them. Respond. Heed. This is what God's telling them. And, 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 and this, is, this is what we see in Deuteronomy 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. These guys now, Peter and John and James, they are, they are afraid. They're overcome by this. this they're over, overshadowed. This, this big cloud is on them. God himself is speaking. And they're very afraid. That was the same thing that happened at Mount Horeb. Please, we don't want to hear from God anymore. That thunder, that lightning, his voice, it's too much. And the Lord said to me, Moses, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. This is who Jesus is. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I will myself require it of him. He's telling these three God comes and gives testimony. This this glorious being you see, this is my son. This is this is my Messiah. This is who has not sinned at all. I'm well pleased. You listen to him. Everyone in here today, you must listen to and heed Jesus' words. To repent and put your faith in him and believe on him for the forgiveness of your sins, or it will be required of you. Listen to Jesus, my son, my beloved son, my Messiah. Listen to him. He is the coming judge. He is the way of salvation. He will return in his glory to judge. See, when Jesus returns in his glory, that, that thing that, I, that I'm trying to describe, I'm so anxious to see. Because in his glory, in his, in his transfigured face, in, in his emanation of light, in what I see him, will he be accepting of me or rejecting me? He'll be accepting of me because I believed in him. But if you have not, it will be required of you. In other words, you're going to pay for your own sins. And that judge is coming with blood up to his, up to the, up to his thighs on a horse he's riding upon. He's coming to judge, and it won't be such a pretty picture for you. You ought not look forward to it in the way I am if you don't know him. Listen to him. Hebrews 1, 1. Long ago and at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Basilii, the one with the right to rule. He's the judge who is coming. He's the one who has all authority. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one. Jesus was still there. Remember, they were so afraid. 
they're so afraid God has spoken, and then it all goes away. The cloud goes away, Moses and Elijah are gone, and Jesus looks like he looked when they went up on the mountain. Back to looking like normal, nondescript human being. And yet he's there to comfort them in their fear. He says, Matthew 17, when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Arise and have no fear. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but only Jesus. flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths, and we made known when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, by God's glory himself, he said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter's writing about this happening. He's saying, We saw him in his glory. And the glory of the Father spoke and told us who he is. And now we're telling you. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Not only did we see that, then we witnessed him doing the thing that Moses and Elijah and he were talking about. What he told us about. We witnessed him then suffering and dying and being buried and rising from the dead and then ascending in his glory, by the way. Back on high. We have a more of the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men but spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. We saw it. We saw His glory. We heard who He was. And now we're telling Him you all about him. You do well to listen. We were there. John and Peter, they saw the glory of Jesus that day. They got, a, they got a glimpse of his heavenly face and his radiant being that emanated out of his clothes. They saw him as he is today, as he is now, with his glorified body and his being, being full deity. And they said, you do well to listen. What he's told us, you do well to listen. Just like we were told that day, we do well to listen. Closing thought. Beloved, we too one day will see the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son. We too will one day see the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son. First John 3, 1. See what kind of love. The Father has given to us that she would, we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Not as He was, not on a cross. Not a man of sorrows and griefs, 
Not a man afflicted and smitten. Not a man that with nothing special about him. No, we will see Christ as he is in his full glory. So will every unbeliever in here. You'll see him in his glory as he judges. And as he sends you to eternal destruction for payment of your sins. But if you believe on him, listen to him, then when you see him, you will see him in all his glory and you will worship him. And you will be safe with him forever, for all eternity. Amen and amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this this picture that we cannot get our minds around. It it, it helps us, Father, though, to, to look forward to the day we see Jesus as he is. Full of glory. Looking exactly how he looks now as they saw that day on the mount. Bright light, shining, dazzling, a transformed face. No longer a man. Back to his rightful place as kingdom of God. Thank you, Father, and may Christ be magnified in our minds and our hearts. May we live more for that day. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and sing, Not in Me. Hymn 405, Not in Me. 405.